All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Course Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. Hey, it's Unpaid Bill. Check out singer-songwriter Linda Perry as she talks about her musical beginnings with Four Non Blondes and how she creates chart-topping hits for stars like Adele and Pink. Originally released November 28, 2018. It is Suprema, su, su, Suprema Roll Call. 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 What's going on? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Roll Call. Suprema, su, su, Suprema Roll Call. Suprema. Suprema Roll Call My name is Fonte Yeah And I must respond Yeah And let y'all know Yeah I was the fifth non-blonde Suprema Suprema Roll Call Suprema Suprema Roll Call Quest Love Supreme Yeah We're reaching new heights Yeah With four non-blondes Yeah And four non-whites Suprema Suprema Always giving you more. Yeah. Show's about to start. Yeah. What you waiting for? Roll call. <laughs> Suprema. Su, su, Suprema. Roll call. Suprema. Su, su, Suprema. Roll call. Yeah. Hey, I say. Yeah. Linda Perry. Damn. Yeah. What's going on? Suprema. And you overlap. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema. Yeah. I just talked over you. Yeah. But I'm here. Yeah. And I have got a clue. Roll call. Suprema. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema. Roll call. Can I just say it once, boss?
No. Come on. No. No do overs. What's going on? I'm supposed to sound like that, but it's just. Well, I already beat you to it. Yeah, and I told you not to do that. I said yesterday. Nobody do any four. You can't establish rules to roll call. We do it all the time. Yeah, we do it all the time. Like, you're. You you should know already. We've been at this for two years. And that, then when I told you, I asked you not to do it, you was like, oh, that's easy anyway. No, not at all. I'm just saying that you have the hardest because you're, you're last second to the guest of the show. So you have to figure out. You got to think. Yeah. Yeah. I you, always write like three. Just yeah. in case. Lessons learned. Sorry, Linda. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> It's cool. I think I had the toughest position. Yeah, because true. You guys were yes. all you, rehearsed. The cleanup. Yeah, yeah, I like <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. I walked. I talked over you. I made my amends to it, and uh, here I am. She What's the it? difference? I won again. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now, now yeah. you're feeling yourself after uh, nah. <laughs> a few weeks of being off. <laughs> Anyway, y'all, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Questlove Supreme, only on Pandora. We got a Team Supreme with us. Hello, guys. Hello, yep. hello, hello. What up? What up? What up? What up? What up? We are live at. Wait, now I forgot the 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 pun behind the here word. We are here. We are here. H e a r. H e a r. We are we are here at we are here. H e a r. Studios. Uh, the 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 lovely digs, the home digs, a studio with windows. Yeah. Yes, this, that's a novel idea with with good scenery. Yeah. Well, you, you know, we're always in the dark, so it's nice to see the outside and know what time it is. And it actually, honestly, I think makes my players play better because they feel like inspired and energetic, and no one's falling asleep and doing the same thing over and over. So. It's great. And then they can go jump in the pool if they need to. Hey. I, I want to move in already. Thank you. Uh, anyway, our guest today is uh, songwriting, producing heavyweight, having penned hits and anthems uh, for notables such as Gwen Stefani, Pink, uh, Courtney Love, Alicia Keys, Celine Dion, Melissa Etheridge, Solange, James Blunt, Cheap Trick, Faith Hill, Britney Spears, Khalees, Ziggy Marley. To say everybody. <laughs> right. My mother, my fifth grade teacher. <laughs> a name I haven't heard in a long time, Janice Ian. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I believe she won a Grammy uh last yeah, was- year for her spoken word Uh-oh. book. Yeah. She owns that category. So her new life as a author. Um Dixie Chicks, Adam Lambert, Molly Cyrus, and of course Christina Aguilera. Um and with an arsenal like that, of course. Obviously, she has to be in the Songwriters uh, Hall of Fame. Please welcome singer, songwriter, producer, arranger, uh, award winner, engineer, and former non-blonde. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is true. The one and only Linda Perry to Questlove yeah. Supreme. Oh. Thank you. Praise her. Yeah. <laughs> she is worthy. <laughs> so thank you. Th- without without blowing up your spot too much to our uh, two thousand listeners. Uh, no, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. Uh, this, this is that's a... five hundred more than they told me. <laughs> no, but this, this is a very unique situation that we're in. Um, usually, like home studios, people, in, in my opinion, like the environment is always important and. Where I am, what I'm looking at right now, and I can't describe, I mean, how would we describe this to I her? would describe this as a house on HGTV House Hunters. 
<laughs> that the couple would pick. Oh, or the one on the one on property brothers that they show you in the beginning and they say, Well, you can't afford that exactly. one. Exactly. <laughs> it would be that house. It would, it, would be, it would be the house to like the humble house. Yes. The humbling house. It's like, oh, I love this. This open concept, all this. How much you think this costs? This house yes. is two point four million dollars. Yes. <laughs> but in LA Return to the project. Or love it or list it yes. when they show you that really nice house and they never pick that one. <laughs> right, for some right. reason, you do yours they own. always go. Let's let's love it. Well, it's, <laughs> I'm gonna love it. It's a cozy, comfy atmosphere, and usually, artists I know either overdo it. Like you know, some people take pilgrimage trips to Hawaii. Wyoming or, or, or Jacksonville <laughs> or Wyoming. <laughs> Wait, why are we both using Kanye uh, examples? I mean, listen. But you know, then there's some artists that that don't want to jinx it. Like you know, a lot of the classic Wu Tang records were still recorded in the same projects uh, long after they had record budgets until the flooding forced them out into. Wasn't Teddy Riley still producing in the exactly? In the Teddy Riley yeah. said that he did most of Michael Jackson's Dangerous album still inside his lucky projects like that's his lucky mm -hmm. pair of draws um and the thing is always like when you upgrade or when you go to comfort then usually artists are afraid to go there because it might make them less edgy or whatever but i love the, the fact that this is this is comfortable and somewhat posh mm. But it's it's the perfect middle. I mean, it's not like the Wu Tang projects. Far right. from it. But <laughs> far from the Wu Tang projects. <laughs> so for you, this is where we are. This is where you're. This is where the magic happens. I sound like MTV Cribs. Yeah. <laughs> is you, this where the you, magic happens? I want to go show you my cars now. Hey. Um, <laughs> Saw the one by the pool. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> my my yeah. My son has a better car than I do. His like G wagon out there. Um. This is the well, one I w I lived in San Francisco when I was in Four Non Blondes. Um, mm -hmm. That's where it all happened for me, and and I lived there for a while, and then I um, lived in a big warehouse, and it it didn't have any windows. So when I decided to come to Los Angeles, which was like I had to argue with myself coming down here. I was driving to visit a friend, and on my way, I was like, you know, oh, you're going to move to L.A. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And yes, you are. And I'm like, I'm not moving to L.A. Because I never listen to music when I drive. Mm -hmm. And I just like to be in quiet. Wait, really? Yeah. yeah. That, that's weird. Why? I don't. It's just I like the peace. I'm, but isn't I time slower? In my mind. No, uh, I'll drive all the way from San Francisco with no music. Um, Do you like wow. to drive? I love to drive. Okay. And but I find it really meditating, you know. Where do you check it, your mixes? Like when you mix do records, like do you give your uh, your mixes like test runs in the car? No, or? I listen here and well at my other studio, which I want to bring here, is I, I had a little AM radio okay. station. So I, I put it through the airways. I had one, I think it went like six hundred it went around the block. So if it sounds good <laughs> yeah. on AM radio. So I really liked it. Um, but um, So when I found this house, I liked that it was it had the walls. I was looking for another house, but I bought the house. Wasn't my intention to live over here, but I asked, where, is the, where does no, no one want to go live? And everybody said, <laughs> in the valley. And I said, specifically where? Like Sherman Oaks, Encino. I'm like, that's where I'm going to go move. So I found this house, and I lived here for a while, but then... I bought a studio on um, called Royal Tome, and I called it Kung Fu Gardens, and that was 11,000 square feet. Man. It was huge. It was beautiful, but it was a big version of this. And then when my wife and my, uh, I had, uh, me and my wife had a son, I 
sold that studio to Simplify, and I turned this house that was actually just sitting here. I, I live in Hancock Park, but this had been sitting here, and I was renting it out to friends. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to turn that house into my studio, and so I just kept it pretty. I mean, this is my aesthetic. Um, it sounds great in here. I think it's important to feel good where you're making music because, to me, it's so intimate, especially as a songwriter. You know, you want people to feel safe when they're coming in. You want them to feel like, you know, this is an environment that they can be in. Like I had Sia a long time ago in my other studio and she panicked. She never came back because it was so big. It was overwhelming for her. And a lot of people had that feeling, although it was a really great environment. But this one, you know, I did Dolly here. I've done so many great friggin' things here already, and it just has a great vibe. So I'm I'm excited to be here, and it, it's it's very inspiring. You know, some well returning to our initial thing about silence in the car. Mm-hmm. You couldn't you, let that go, right? No, 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 you, you no, no, no. I'm just, It just hit me that it makes <laughs> sense because most uh, authors I know and screenwriters uh, and songwriters now they they thrive on. Silence, boredom, uh, isolation, so that the ideas can come to them. Because, you know, again, we use music as a means to pass time and to not go over our minds on the road and to not deal with vertigo or whatever, you know, <laughs> to keep us up. But now that makes total sense. Well, also for me, honestly, it's it's not even that poetic. It's It's more that I am constantly, my mind always has music in it. So for some reason, when I can shut down, like and just like when I do dishes, my my mind goes blank. Mm-hmm. When I'm driving, my mind I just go into these meditative states, you know, um, and it's the only time I can actually be free in my head for other things. If there is anything other than music for me at nighttime, it's hard for me to go to sleep because it's just constant and you know I just it's constant music like to a point where I have to wake up at you know four in the morning because I had an idea that just popped up and I you know get up I walk to the other side of the house you know I grab my phone and I go to the art room and where the because you know, I have kids and it's like and I'm like okay the maybe <laughs> and then in the morning it sounds like <laughs> nothing I get nothing from it but sometimes it sticks so anyway so I'm constantly trying to find so for some reason driving I can keep the windows up and sweat all the way through with no music and be happy happy as in, in my happy place Ooh, we kill each other on a road <laughs> yeah, trip I don't think I ride in a car with you yeah, like, road trip. but when I'm here I love I put on the Beach Boys I love listening to Nina Simone I mean I just put on anything and I come in here and I get inspired because this is where it all comes to life for me and when I leave this area for some reason I shut everything else down don't know why it's just the way I've always been I would think that's kind of a blessing to be able to yeah yeah so uh, we always start our show with our guests with the question, where were you born? What city were you born in? I was born in Boston. Boston, Massachusetts? Yep. Springfield, Massachusetts. Okay. But, but I that... say Boston because it's, it's like a little bit over there. Okay. okay. It's like there's Boston and then Springfield's right there. I'm glad you're not wearing your Yankees hat, Steve. <laughs> I, I, was, I was there for one year. I was one years old and then we moved to San Diego. So I was raised in San Diego. Oh, okay. So I'm really a California girl, but for some reason everybody thinks I'm from New York. 
Yeah, <laughs> guilty. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's my badass attitude. It, it could be. Yeah, yeah. You would fit in very well. Yeah, right you there. fit in. Yeah. The tats. Oh, I do. It off. Yeah. I do. You've never lived in New York. No. Okay, I, I'm guilty too. I thought <laughs> uh, New York had moved to LA. Okay, I see. Uh, what was your home situation like with your parents and siblings? Um, I my mother's Brazilian. My father's from Portugal, and when we, when my family came here, my mom, um, they got here like I think it was sixty four, sixty three. Um, I was born in sixty five in Boston, um, but I have five brothers and one sister. Two of my brothers still stayed in Brazil; they never came with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom was basically. My father told my mother that. She was not allowed. My mom didn't speak any English. My mom was gorgeous, beautiful, modelish, you know, Brazilian, Brazilian woman. <laughs> and, you know, hot. Oh, you know? Brazilian, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and my father basically coveted her and wanted her to be a, a housewife. And um, he didn't want her speaking Portuguese to us because it would be, we would be admitting we're immigrants. And his, he was raised that, you know, you can't be an immigrant in this world. They'll treat you differently. And um, so we were raised, basically, my father changed my um, brother's names, you know, um, to be more American. And um, I was Linda, so it, that was, you know, it's pretty <laughs> 70s uh, American. That was your birth name? That was my birth name. Okay. And, um, but then what happened was we basically were learning how to grow up with my mom and teaching her how to speak English. So we would come home, we would read our books to her, she'd read you know, try to read with us. Um, she learned all her um, English pretty much on TV. And, what shows? Huh? What I, shows? She just watched National Geographic, just whatever. Lu- I-, I Love Lucy um, were her main shows. She loved news. My mother, my father was an engineer that worked for um, a very big companies for, for the government. My mother ended up being way more smarter than my father and it was pretty amazing to watch. And um, so that's the household I was brought up. My father, were, he's passed away now, but he was an alcoholic. My mom was a very, you know, outspoken woman with vengeance, you know. <laughs> and um, and we were on welfare. Um, we drank powdered milk, you know, tuna, every single way that you possibly could think of it. Wow. <laughs> yes. I love that powdered milk. Spam. I mean everything. So Spam. Um, wow. it was it was it was you know it it was a great I'm happy for my upbringing, but it it was tough and but I wouldn't change one thing because I love how I I grew up to be and um you know so that was kind of where I'm at. And how- then I left home at 15 was on drug. I did the typical punk rocker. I tur- I was a total punk rocker, mohawk, everything, piercings through my face, and you know, slitting my wrist not to kill myself, but just to have the scars. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that's what you did in San Diego. I dropped a lot of acid. I done a lot of crystal coke, drinking, panhandling, sleeping in parks. I did it all, and it, and not until I was probably eighteen did I say. I think I'm supposed to be more than this. And then I got my shit together. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's our episode. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did music enter your life? Well, it always was there. That that was the funny thing about music and my relationship with it. I took it for granted, you know, because 
music, I was always touching something and making music out of it. Like if I saw a guitar, I could just play something and make a melody out of it. If I saw a piano, you know, I would make a melody at it. My father was a musician, but he never shared it with us. Um, so I knew it was there, but it wasn't something that we were brought up with. My father lift, listened to Frank Sinatra. It was like his big Willie Nelson, Frank Sinatra, um, um, George Strait, um, Johnny Cash. He, he was loved, big in the country? He loved country, but he loved um, jazz. Please tell me there was some bossa nova somewhere. Your mom. Yeah, my yeah, mother. Okay. My yeah. mother. Right. My yeah. my mother loved um, bossa nova. Um, all Brazilian music. I don't even know half the shit that she was playing. Um, my sister loved the Beach Boys and Elvis Presley. My brothers loved the Beatles and you know then the Zeppelins and all that. And I loved um, uh, musicals. I just was fascinated with musicals, The Jungle Book, Sound of Music, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, all of it. I really was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So that was my musical upbringing. But then my brother, he's over there. He was in a band called Chaos in San Diego, and he had the long, curly hair, and chicks loved him. He always had girls around. And this was when I was about, like, 15 14 and he wore really cool leather pants and <laughs> his band was like you know everybody and I was like I want to be like him and they would rehearse in our garage and then they would leave and I'd always be listening and he'd come out it's like don't touch my guitar you know did the brother thing of course and of course he'd leave and I'd go in there and I would try to by ear figure out what he had just been playing so that's kind of how I learned how to play music I just figured it out by ear All right, y'all, you know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, 
Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think that even though I encourage parents and everyone to, uh, you know, introduce their kids to music, now that I know the recurring theme is that the guests that are on our show that thrive the most do so because it's like it was forbidden. Don't yeah. touch it. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to make music almost. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm going to discourage discur- all parents out there. Discourage yeah. your kids from there, there is stereo. A, there's a total truth to that because even like it's funny with my son. I, I um, was telling Quest that I bought his Questlove. Uh, I don't even what do you call that little set. It's like a. Well, yeah, the breakbeat kit. The breakbeat kit. Yeah. For my one year old. I appreciate that. I I would have gladly sent it to you. No, I loved it. And um, because I saw it somewhere and I'm like, oh, shit, I love this thing. And I played it and I was like, this is amazing. So I got it for my one year old son that, you know, he just started walking and I was, you know, teaching him and he loved being on it, but it was obvious it's just too soon to give Mm -hmm. him a drum set. Um, But he, I never, like, there's, there's drums around. There's pianos around, there's guitars, there's this. I never encourage it, and he just goes to it himself. He discovered the Beatles all on his own at one and a half. What? Yeah, all on his own, swear to God. He listens to Penny Lane, uh, Hey Bulldog, Yellow Submarine. He watches Yellow Submarine. Now, I don't know if anybody out there, go watch Yellow Submarine. (laughs) It's a trip. I can't even get through Yellow Submarine. And he's obsessed with it. He knows it, and he knows all the songs in Spanish as well, because we teach him Spanish. And he loves to dress like Paul McCartney. Um, he wears a jacket and a tie. I okay. just got him out of the tie because it's literally 150 degrees out there. <laughs> and he wants to be in his jacket and tie. And I feel like a bad parent. Like he's like sweating. I can't <laughs> get the jacket off of him, yeah. you know. But anyways, on his own, he is doing that. So I don't encourage it. I just make it available if he's interested. He's going to be the third member of Lemon Twigs. Have you seen Lemon Twigs? No. Lemon Twigs is like these two kids. They're teenagers, like maybe 16 and 18, but it's like they're straight 1970s, like Bay City Rollers, Sean Cassidy, like that 1970s. Yeah. Like Kids Are People 2 era. (laughs) That was a deep cut. (laughs) <laughs> Only Bill would get that. Uh, and Steve, I'm sorry, Steve, you're here. Bob McAllister, son. Yeah. Okay, now you have to outdo me with the, with the host. It's thing. like short people have no reason to live right. kind of thing. Right, got it. No, they're just straight 1970s. And, but it's because, you know, their parents kind of raised them where the timeline was cut off at 1977. Huh. So that's all All they know is Boston. They know. Yeah. they know Boston. They know Kansas. They know, like, those types of ELO, that sort of thing. So... Well, there is this um, wonderful wave of um, this new generation. I guess what we call them, Generation Y or whatever. Yeah. But these kids are going to impress a lot of people. Like when when people like ask me, like, aren't you bummed out about the music business? I'm like, no, at all. Not even. We're just going through the bumps that we go through. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, up to us to acknowledge and um, and to see. And hear what's coming. And there's a bunch of kids right now 
that are 13 and under that listen to um, Carol King, uh, Hendrix, yeah. Zeppelin, yeah. because what what's going on is people are putting these Spotify playlists, yeah. whatever. They don't have to they pay for it. <laughs> but they but the thing is, they don't know who the new ones are or, or the old yeah. ones. They don't. They're just listening and they're responding. Yeah. So they hear Zeppelin come on and they're like going. Right on, and then that takes you to you know Greta Van Fleet, which is Greta a new band. I was going to say, yeah, you know, Trump, like yeah. Zeppelin. You know, those guys would not have been signed today. You know, if it wasn't for a lot of these playlists that kids are being exposed to that have amazing, amazing music on it, and it's it's circulating. So you know, to the music business, people who are feeling fear, it's like there is no fear. Like actually, in, in fact, I think there's going to be a wonderful, beautiful surge of incredible music that's going to be coming out. We just need to, what our job is, is to to kind of clean up the foundation, you know, that we're sitting on right now because the business is so messed up and the, the intentions are so bad that we have to really just kind of make it we have to clean house a little bit so there is something for these kids to come into and not be afraid to sign a record deal or be exposed in some way or whatever that that want to just show up and and perform and play and and i'm so glad you didn't say drain the swamp (laughs) (laughs) i would not drain this um well do you think and and your experiences and you've experienced the business as an artist you've experienced the business as a label you've experienced it as a songwriter so i'm certain that from the interns to the president of the label you've had interaction with everything do you well i know that the old modus operandi will eventually uh erode and be done away with but do you feel that there could be a new system in which artists can get uh, their fair share and make a living and still, like, where both sides are happy, where, you know, because I don't, I know that just to make great music, like, what's the sense of making great music if you're in a forest and no one hears the tree falling, you know, on the other side of the world? So I don't want to have to be a business person and... Uh, an artist at the same time. So do you think that there will eventually be a system that will be fair enough so that artists can make a living and make quality music without having to shake their ass in a video or do this hot collabo with this person? And do you, do you think you'll see that in your lifetime? Well, I mean, that's a tricky question, to be honest, for someone like me, because I believe that quality and money don't go hand in hand <laughs> you know like i don't but know do you need money to make quality like as beautiful as this environment that loretta we're in loretta lynn didn't patsy klein didn't i mean carol king sat in her room and i mean like th- i mean that's where music comes from it people made incredible music with no money i mean it's just who we are like if I don't make any money for from here on out, it's not going to stop me from being a performer or a songwriter and doing everything I am and, and put everything that I am into what I'm doing because that's just who I am. That's the that's the bar I live with on a daily basis. I, um, you know, I have to write. It's it's my therapy. It's my it's who I am. It's like brushing my teeth. Like it's not a choice. It's just when it happens, I have to be available to, to respond to it. You know, 
what you're saying will, as a business person now, um, I think there's many outlets that are going to make themselves available. Um, I feel, are we going to make the same money that we did in the 90s? No, No, we're not. We're not. It's not going to happen. But we got to remember other things that are going on. Um, It's What's happening right now is making, okay, let's just go ahead and just say it. It's turning people who are not talented into celebrities, right? And they're being able to make a shitload of money Mm -hmm. based on, you know, this non-talent, a charisma, Mm -hmm. right? But let's even take that for a second. There's a talent in that. Mm. There's a talent in being charismatic. There's a talent into selling yourself. There's a t- because you know what those people do? They ha- they're on it, twenty four seven. They're banging shit out. They're on their Twitter. They're Cardi they're, B. You know they're doing it. Yeah. They're yeah. doing it when they wake up, when they go to sleep. They're there's a different talent. Right. Yeah. I actually like Cardi B. No, you can like her, but that but that's, <laughs> but the, that's she's a clear example. Saying, yeah, yeah. yeah that's you a can example. like her. No, that's fine. I mean, but we all know that she's you know, you know kind of built in a way. Yeah, and but, but she- then there's like you know these artists that are like um, Adele. Mm-hmm. Everybody said records don't sell. Adele said hello for <laughs> a month. <laughs> for a month, yeah. and she sold groundbreaking twenty five million something like that for ridiculous amount of money, right? Or I mean, she made a shitload off of that mm-hmm. because um, I know that she is covered in that area. I get a lot of artists that come in here and go. You know, I, 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 I hate my album. I didn't want to be like that. You know, the record company made me do this. Blah, blah, blah. I didn't want to make that video. I didn't want to put the, the glitter on my mouth to make it look like I was, you know, got, you know, shot cum on my face. I didn't want to do any of was that. Was that an actual quote? You know. And, <laughs> you know, and all I could look at them and go, I'm so sorry, but you're not getting any sympathy here because you allowed that to happen you know you were afraid of losing your record deal so you did all the things that you're not supposed to do you you fell into that trap so do i to your question it's that's why i said it's a difficult one Mm -hmm. because i believe when artists step into their power money will come I believe anytime we step into our power, That's a good quote. Okay, our, that everything that is due to us will come to us. Mm-hmm. What is rightfully ours will be ours when we step into our power. So that is the answer to that question. Right now, it is my job, your job, all of our job here to help people step into their power. All right. That's well, a wrap. Well, <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. How Honestly, many? Yes, it's great. How many songs do you reckon you? Okay, I won't say like half completed songs or half demos because I'm certain that you know even if you have an idea right now, you'll just excuse yourself and hum your iPhone outside. Uh, on a weekly basis, how many songs do you think you complete? Right. Well, um, it depends on if I'm writing with somebody. So basically right now I'm, I'm in the studio with Natasha Bedingfield. Um, in probably 14 days, we wrote 13 songs. Um, and then that was me concentrating on just the songs. Now, sometimes I'll just, 
you know, with her, I did something different. Like I really wanted to get the body of songs down. And um, so I didn't focus on any production because I wanted to do something different with her this time. And a lot of people know Natasha Benningfield for, you know, Pocket Full of Sunshine and Unwritten. And there's a cleanness there about her. But she, I mean, there's a little Michael in her. I mean, she hits these this tone that sounds like friggin' Michael Jackson when he was younger. And she's got a grit and a style and she's wild and she's political and she's dark and she's funny and she's light, you know. So anyway, so I just wanted to focus on the song. So I just focused on the songs and didn't get into production. Um, so we were... You know, like the other yesterday, I wasn't planning on writing a song and we did. So it depends on the energy that's moving through me and the artist. Now, I've been with some artists that I've been with them for three days and I keep switching because I can't get one song written with them. And then finally, at the, I always allow at least two to three days. Sometimes that's, a, that's long. But if I don't write a song with somebody within the first three hours, the chemistry is not there. I'll say, listen... I think you're amazing. You know who would be really great with you? And then I'll recommend somebody else. And they look at me like... You curve them. Yeah. Like, they're like, well, I want to work with you. And I said, I do too, but it's I like you, but that doesn't mean we're going to create. So, yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's how I roll, you know? So, do, do artists prefer that immersive experience in creating with you? Because there are some times where I'll feel as though... Like, I'll have a brilliant idea, and I'll execute it and go in the studio by myself, and then I'll present it, and then they'll be like, nah, I'm, I'm cool on it. And it's almost like... They feel left out? Like, Well, yeah. yeah. Like, it, I, I hate to say this on air. So, that's how I fool... That's how I fool Erica. Like, Erica is the queen of no, <laughs> when it's like, yo, we this is dope, right? Mm -hmm. And then... She'll want to be part of the creative process. So then I got a Jedi mind tricker. And then I'll present the same idea like a Look month later. Right. right. And then it's like, ah, oh, it's 82,000. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, and then it's like, yeah, see? It, it's, but it's almost like, I feel like with your, your position, it's harder because it's much more than songwriting. Like, you borderline have to be the therapist. Sometimes the babysitter, like if they have ADD, you got to give them the focus and you have to be life coach. So it's what what is the most comfortable environment that you're in in songwriting? Like, do you have to sit with that person in real time? Is music even involved? Like, do you even just deal with words? And like Smokey Robinson said that half the songs he wrote, he starts out with poetry, like not even thinking of a melody. It's just like... Mm. Do these words make sense? And once he feels he has something, then it's like, what music can I dress around this? So what is your actual like preferred process of songwriting? I don't have one. Um, I, I, everything comes at the same time, first of all. So for me, if I pick up a guitar, I'll basically come up with the melody and some kind of lyric right off the top. Um, it all, like for me, I have to be open to the song presenting itself and just catch it you know how sometimes we ignore oh I, um you an know, actual I, lyric or is it like i don't uh, know i'll just mumble have, no it's just i mumble and then it turns into song okay. so all my songs come from that um the melody the music 
um, the lyrics all kind of start showing up at the same time. And I'll just jam it. But with, um, so for me, when I'm here, that's how I roll. Um, when I'm with an artist, I love working with um, people. I could write a song with you guys right now just as comfortable as I could with myself. Um, I love being inspired. I, I, I'm one of those people that if um, we all sat here and we were like, okay, let's write a song. You were on your phone. You're drinking coffee. You fell asleep. You're daydreaming. And you're just looking at gear. You and I so sat well. here and did it. <laughs> you know, I did all the music and wrote it. I would still make that a collaboration because it's the energy and the inspiration of That's everybody. So sweet of you. You know, it's not sweet. It's just the way it is because <laughs> to me, it's a it's a series of events and energies and things that just bring us to where we are right now. And that's how I look at life in general and songwriting. So, it's it, to me, it's I can write anywhere. I I you can put me in any place, and I will write a song. What's the 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 largest number of people collaboration situation that you've been in to write a song um the only time i've ever done something to that um to, at that level is you know jamming with a band um you know where i've had my band here and it's like one two three four five six seven people maybe um if that and we're just sitting there jamming i just sometimes i just got to break out it's just like guys you know, I, I feel the guys are just like they're lost in the song. They they can't get there. So I'll come in and I'll go, okay, let's just jam out, you know, and then I'll pick up the guitar and I'll start doing something. We'll start doing things and then we'll write a song. Now, you know. You're what, always in the alpha situation? Like are I'm you... always the alpha, yeah. Okay. That's what I wanted to know. Like who decides who's going to be, quote, the bad guy or the coach? And... Yeah. No, I'm, I'm always that. I don't – it's to me it's I'm just in the more powerful position because I'm very confident – I'm not choosing that. It's just who I am. And people, you're only as powerful as the people around you. So if people are letting you take power, then I'm the alpha. You know, that's just the way that works works in the, the wolf pack. You know, it's like they, they want, people want to be led. They want to feel like somebody's got control of something. That's why we get in an airplane and we feel that guy is the guy that's going to take us wow. to safety. And I don't yeah. fucking know who that guy is. <laughs> that's going to, who the fuck? But we automatically just go into this trusting situation. He's got it, you know? So I try to make that available because that's just who I am, but I want people to feel safe and secure in their environment. And um, I only whip out bulldog for business. You know, I'm a total, I will, I'm a, an assassin when it comes from my <laughs> artists. You know, I manage artists and I am a killer. I go in there because my artist is my number one priority. I don't give a fuck about any of you. My artists, I need to make sure that they're taken care of and I become an assassin. I'm a gunslinger. I go left field. I fuck shit up. I got people scared of me, and but I'm also really sweet. I'm scared right now. Anyone want to switch seats with me? All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. 
I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh, Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Is your writing process different for those people who you've been working with for so long? Like, is the pro, you know, since you know them on a whole different level for like the Pinks and the Christinas and the. Well, you know, I mean, we all know like there's people who think they're writers and they think they're producers, you know, so you have to, you know, like what you said, you have to Jedi mind trick them, you know, and so I have. How long does it take for you to know who you're dealing with if it's a blind situation? Like, do you start with dinner first? Do you meet off campus first to see? who you're dealing with or is it just like Clive Davis is like, look, I got this new artist and come to New York and meet them. Yeah, no, I don't do that. I I'll meet people, but, um, I don't, I rarely, it's a rare occasion. I'll just say, okay to somebody. I don't care if it's Beyonce or some new person. I need to sit with you first, just chat and see if we're a match because it, it is important to me. Um, I'm not, again, I have to feel creative in the situation. Otherwise, if I'm not and I'm only doing it for the namesake or whatever, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't fit in my soul properly. Okay. So I, 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 I gotta ask, uh, at the height of misunderstood mania, um, what came first, a strip, uh, misunderstood or strip? Misunderstood. Yeah. yeah, that was first. Yeah. Okay. So let's just say in the in the sort of in the cyclone of where you know get this party started. It's like playing now playing in stadiums and whatnot. What can you tell us a name that like came to you like okay I want something you had to curve them and be like eh, we're not a match. It's not going to work. Like a a failed collabo that didn't happen or that you passed on. Yeah. There's many. Can you name (laughs) name one? Can you name one? 
Um, listen, my, one of my pride um, things that I love about myself is that I'm not a kiss and teller. All right. I, have, I respect that. I respect I, that. But mind you, I'll tell you this. I have, I record everything. So when you walk into my studio, it's rolling. Let me just tell you this. I have shit on people Uh-oh. on my Uh-oh. fucking, in my, that would shock this, you know, fucking industry. I mean, the confessions, the things. I mean, I have a, I, maybe when I'm like, Lying We're on my in deathbed. studio right now. You know, <laughs> right, right, right. I'm, maybe I might go, okay, oh, and man. unleash these, you know, tapes. Who knows? Maybe. But I. But what I love about um, who I've become is that, you know, it, my experiences are my experiences and nobody's going to ever experience anything the way I do or you do or we do, right? But I just know right off the top, I can know in five minutes I'm extremely, I'm sensitive. I, I'm all in heart. I'm rarely in my head unless I need to be, but I'm all in my heart to a point where it's a fault for me. Like it, it, it becomes a weakness because I'm so writing in my heart all the time that I'm over the top honest. Um, I've hurt people, not meaning, but just because my honesty has hurt people, you know? How do you, if you care for someone, will you be s- severely blunt with them? Even if I don't care about them, I'll be severely blunt. Like it's it to me, it's our duty as human beings to be like, for instance, um, yesterday. um, So there's this girl on Twitter um, named um, uh, Scarlet B. Her name's Savannah. Anyway, she she kept twittering me songs like Linda Perry. I want your attention. I want your attention. And I I follow and I watch and I listen. (laughs) You know, I do. And so this girl um, sent me a version of what's up and she changed all the words to basically say something to the extent, please notice me. (laughs) I'm a Vietnam vet or not Vietnam vet. I'm a vet. Um, and you know, all her, she put all her struggles in it. Um, I just want you to hear me. I'm coming for you. Where are you? You know, whatever. So Mm. it was pretty endearing. I tweeted back and said, okay, kid, I'm going to give you a shot. So I had my people reach out to her. We flew her here. She lives in Virginia. We flew her and her mom out here. And I said, okay, I'm going to give you a shot. You're going to do a showcase for my my label. And um, so yesterday she did a showcase last night in front of the label. And um, and there was a couple songs that are good, a couple songs that are bad. But it was my, what would I be if I brought this girl all the way here and I didn't say these are the issues that I'm hearing in your material. Because you can get that on the fucking voice, American Idol, and all that crap. You know, those people, I'm those so kids, said, but- <laughs> those kids walk away with no information at all. They walk away with nothing. Even the winners walk away with nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the earlier days of American Idol, yeah, there were, there were people, that but that gone. period is gone. Yeah. But now, name me one voice winner. I know Adam Levine and Christina yeah. and he Gwen's records. Well, no, you know? just, no, the judges. Levine was the judges. judges. The judges. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I know I'm the judges. Like Adam Lambert. I'm no, sorry. I'm saying I just know the judges. Right. Where, where, what? They benefited. Yeah, they benefit. Yeah. You know, the, that's yeah. what's going on in American Idol right now. It's all that. But when did they stop and when did Simon Cowell or whatever say, you know what? There's something here 
but this is what I would do, blah, 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 blah. So it was, it's my duty as a, as a person in the music business. It, you know, like people do think that I do know something, whether it's the, if it's right or not, I don't know. I just have my own opinions. And again, they're my opinions. Mm-hmm. But so I don't know this girl, but I had to tell her, sidebarred her without everybody else around in that room. And I said, listen. Um, this song I really like. It needs a chorus. But here, I think, I don't know who you're being in this song. And she's like, well, I really wanted to be like Halsey. And I'm like, why don't you just be you? You know, why are you being Halsey? Be you. And and I, I don't like this. So anyway, so she's going home today with some valuable information. I, you know, this experience is going to change her life. And more so, I wanted it to change everybody else's that was experiencing this good gesture. Because that's what we need to do. We need to reach out and extend a good gesture. We need to help people. We need to give them the right information because nobody, nobody is giving these kids the right information. Where's our fucking political revolution that was supposed to happen with punk rock? Where are the Ramones? They were supposed to show up. Patti Smith was supposed to show up during this whole fucking thing. Where the fuck did it go? Natalie Mines, Dixie Chicks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when she yeah. got yeah. shut down in yeah. 2003, I know. Yeah. motherfuckers got quiet. Yes. Everybody <laughs> shut up. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, because artists now fear. have stuff to lose. Lose. They don't want to lose endorsements. Exactly. Bill Withers didn't have anything to lose because no. he was, you know, everyday but man. That, so that exactly my point. It's like you know, what are we then if we're not standing for? what we came in here for like so when you go back to your question about are we going to make money it's like who fucking cares i'm in it man i'm in it to be a soldier and a and a a a pawn i'll be a fucking pawn in this music business because if i have to sacrifice myself for the for the business to win that's what i'm in it for so i don't care about the money is the money great yes absolutely I still think that one should be able to make a living. I'm I think, fine with making a living. I think we are. I think we are, man. I think we are. I think we're going to be okay. Maybe Hype Williams' videos have gassed me up too much. To- <laughs> yeah, that, that shit is over. That's never yeah. But another, you know what? Genre Let me tell you this. We should have never been making three hundred, five hundred thousand dollar videos, never. okay? The 90s is what screwed everything up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The 90s got greedy. Oh my God, all this money mm-hmm. and everybody wanted more and more and more and the labels wanted more because they saw. CDs for $17.99. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fucking $17.99 yeah. for a CD. Kids were being ripped off. You know what they did? They said, fuck you. They started their own revolution and started fucking putting out all those songs and records out online saying, here you go. It's here for free. Yeah. You know, because we can't afford $19.99 for a crappy album. So remember that. Not only were they penny, spending 19, 19 20 bucks for a record, they're spending 20 bucks for crap. Yeah. You know, there's maybe one or two good songs on there, but the rest was fucking filler and, and shit. And they stopped selling singles. So you couldn't get this, the one song you wanted. Yeah. You had to buy the whole album and suffer through, you know, 70, so, 78 minutes of other crap just to get to the two minutes you wanted. Yeah. So, so I think it's going to be okay. I think we just have to readdress our intentions. You know, and, and I think we can make a living and I think we can make a really good living. And I think there's going to be other resources that are going to start happening. There's a lot of people doing, you probably know, a lot of different things are coming up. There's just going to be a lot of different ways for distribution and um, reaching out to your fans. And, and, and honestly, there's going to be a lot of 
we have to get rid of a lot. Do you understand? There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of unnecessary music out yeah, there. You're that not we even have to fighting get through today. There. Like I don't even think you're fighting as an artist. You're not really even fighting for money. You're fighting, fighting for attention. Space, yeah, yeah. It's not even about the attention. Is kind of the great currency now. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's why what you were saying earlier with artists who have that charisma and know how to sell it. I mean. I've had straight up labels, like my homies that work at labels straight up tell me before even looking to sign an artist, they go and look at their Instagram followers. Oh, yeah, that's first. Like they look at how many followers you got on Insta, how many, what's your Twitter Because they're lazy. (laughs) Labels are fucking lazy. They want everybody to do, they don't want to demo. They don't break nobody no more. They don't break because they don't know how to. They don't break them because they don't, nobody in the music business is actually running the music business. Like nobody's a developing artist anymore. You have a, you know, this guy that's the bazillionaire that bought Atlantic because he wanted to be on a yacht with all these, you know, people and go to parties. It's like, he knows nothing about the business. And then you leave it to these guys that are just holding on. Their job is just to not say yes right now. Their job, they're safe, they're keeping their jobs by not saying yes. Yes. You know, but not for nothing. That's why it seems like when you look at your catalog, whether it was conscious or unconscious, you definitely have a somewhat of an eligibility requirement for I want to say the ladies at very least that you work with. Well, like they have the to ladies be are most fucked up and emotional. They need me. You but know? The one, and the ones that you work with, they'll still have a, <laughs> they got a, a certain foundation of strength to them. You know what I yeah. mean? Like all of them. Yeah. When you look at it. So. Well, you know, I think that with women. We're just emotional. We're emotional and we get sensitive. And and I think that, you know, I am always asked, like, why aren't there more women producers or engineers? And I think, one, it's a bitch, man, to, you know, to to be turned down because you're a woman, you know, and or not know. Like, I've turned down women, you know, engineers. I don't want to engineer. I love engineering. Mm -hmm. I love producing, but I don't want to do it anymore. You know, because engineering, I start geeking out. You know, I start fucking moving. I can spend like a whole fucking day. I have hundreds of snares and I will go through all of (laughs) them to get the right sound because I don't. Well, why don't you just tune that one down? Are you kidding me? It sounds great like this. I'm not tuning down my. I have a. Do you know John Bryan? Yeah. (laughs) Motherfucker spent like three hours on like one snare. But you know what? It's like because you don't want to touch the character of the one. So anyway, so anyway, as you can see, I can go on this conversation for hours. So, but I think that sometimes what's going on with women is maybe they don't want to deal with it. Maybe they don't. They see it as a losing battle already. Maybe they're happy being on their computers at home and not dealing with a room full of, mm-hmm. you know, guys. Yeah. Maybe the guys won't even hire them. You know, um, you know, I like to be up. I am I'm an I'm a lifer. I'm a lifer in this position. I I don't clock in nine to five. I am a fucking lifer and I don't believe there's many women that are lifers, you know, because there's a, a, other things that they women want to do. They want to have they I have a son. But I'm figuring it out, you know, but I'm kind of more macho. You know, I have a more man perspective. Plus you have resources. Like, let's not forget. I do have resources. Yeah. But the girls, 
But I, you know, I had to fight for my resources. I was when I was in Four Non Blondes. I'll give you a great example. When I was in Four Non Blondes, and we're recording that album, which I fucking hate, you know, because sonically, I don't know what it is. I know what it is now, but I didn't know what it was then. You know, I had no experience of it being in a studio. And so I got, you know, I'm listening to my, you know, this, he gives me this 53 Vox, uh, 53 um, uh, Les Paul to go through the 63 Vox amp. And I'm in the room and I'm hearing it. I'm like, oh, man, that is fat. And then I go into the, the co- control room and it sounds like this. And I didn't know he was compressing it, cueing out everything and putting reverb on it. I didn't know that, mm-hmm. you know. So every time I'd question him, like, why does it sound so great out here? But when I come in here, it sounds so teeny and so far away linda you know with his accent you know who produced it david tickle um can't you just what a uh, name. you know just just be a a, a singer you know and uh, go in there and just do, do whatever and so i heard that fucking just go be a singer uh-uh. bullshit uh-uh. way too many times and then when he got to what's up the song that i wrote when it got to in his little hands it had a marching drum he wanted me to change all the lyrics because it didn't make sense to him for me to repeat certain lines. Um, There's a guitar solo. It sounded fucking bad. He changed my strum. I went to Tom Wally at Interscope Records. I said, I am not fucking releasing this song. And he's like, well, we're all happy with it. I'm like, I'm not happy with it. So we had one reel of tape. What We had tape back then. So we had <laughs> one reel of tape. I called up the plant studios in San Francisco and I said, hey man, can you do me a solid? We have no money. We had no money. We couldn't afford anything. And I said, will you do me a solid and let us come in and I need to reproduce this, this song. He's like, of course, dude, for you, I'll do that. You know, just put us a thanks on the record. I'm like, done. So we go in there. I've never produced anything. I dialed with the engineer, dialed up the sounds, got everything, got everything, put it back to the arrangement put on our tape. We had to choose because you only have room for three. So we had to kind of make commitments and go, okay, let's just keep this. Let's go over that one. So we are on our last take. David Tickle comes walking in at like two o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. We're laying it down. That's it. It was live. And then we added some background vocals. That was it. And then we mixed it that night and then it made it, mastered it the next day and it was on the record. That is the version that sold 7 million records, that's got over, you know, 2 billion fucking streams or whatever mm-hmm. on YouTube. And that motherfucker, when I said, I want producer credit on that, they all said no to me. Can't you fucking be a singer? And I, from that day on, I said, fuck you. I'm going to be more <laughs> than a singer, bitch. I'm going to fucking learn how to do this shit. And that's what I did. I started buying equipment and I taught myself. That was my motivation, you know? And then I did. I just went for it. I didn't, it, it was, no was not an exception. And I got fired from Misunderstood, just to let you know this little story. Nobody knows this. I'm going to give Wait, you guys what? a doozy. So I get to, I wrote Get the Party Started in like 15 minutes because I was such an analog girl. I wanted to know what that sound was on the radio that I was hearing on MTV. So I called up a friend. I'm like, what is that thing on MTV right now? Or all the sounds, you know? Oh, it's an MPC. It's a Triton. And it's a Roland expansion cards, you know? And I'm like, okay. So I went and bought all that. I set it all up. I had um, DA88s. And then I set it up. And then I started just playing. And then... That's what I wrote. 
out of just testing all this gear. Mm-hmm. I wrote, get the party started, put some, then put some live wah-wah, bass, you know, whatever. And then this girl calls me up, leaves this message, says, I want to, you know, are you Linda Perry? I want to blah, 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 write a song with you. So I go and meet her. And then I had written, get, get the party started. I play it for her. She's like, that's my first single, plays at L.A. Reed, right? Anyways, so cut to, we were doing it here when I was still living here. I had a little studio in that room. And um, so I just start demoing them really good, right? And just whatever. And then she, it was very different. Mm-hmm. So L.A. Reed came in and he was like, you know, um, this is very different. We're going to lose uh, um, there you go. Uh, uh, Alicia's mm-hmm. uh, Pink's uh, audience because mm-hmm. I just feel like this is just too left field. And mm-hmm. I said, you know what? What, how many, what, what did she sell? He's like, well, she's got like, you know, almost 2 million, you know, uh, she sold 2 million records. I'm like, you're going to lose those 10 and you're going to gain 10. I mean, you're going to lose those two and you're going to gain 10. And then I got fired because I was too left field. Yes, this is the beautiful part. You're going to fucking love me for this one. I didn't know this. <laughs> I remember this. I got fired. Okay. So they fired me and I'm like, I'm 10 songs in. I'm the, I'm the bulk of the album. Right. And they fire me. So I, I say, no, nah. you know what? You guys never hired me. You can't fire me because you never hired me. So I went back into the studio with Dave Pensado. I finished the, the productions, had him mix it. And then I invoiced them, gave them the fucking record, and then they took it. So they never hired me. They fired me. And then they never rehired me. (laughs) Don't y'all remember that? Like, L.A. and them was mad because they were like, no, this is when Pink was on her There You Go and she was doing BET Awards and Soul Train Awards. No, we thought she was a light-skinned black black woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We thought Pink was light-skinned for like a summer. She was a Billy John. (laughs) But isn't that a great story? He did not like me at all because I was in his face and just, you know, I was just... I remember. You know what I mean? It was really funny but he wanted to fire my ass and but dallas austin wasn't losing his job nah right. you know but they quickly were ready to fire me because i was too aggressive you know and i called them out i'm like she's gonna and you know what she did she sold 12 million records we know in that moment <laughs> right. did you see the uh, more misogyny in the uh, r&b area than what you're used to i'm just curious no, because you know what? Um, I don't look for those things. Uh, I, you know, I'm. This is where I'm naive and dumb. You know, like I don't look for problems, and um, I I just find solutions. Okay. okay. You know, speak on it. That's it. Yeah. I find solutions. I don't dwell in things. I just find my way around it. This is my journey, man. Sometimes I don't notice. have time. It can be really loud. And yeah. You're like, oh, that's I mean, loud. there was. You know what? More so, not really in that because at you know. I actually got very embraced in in that, you know, whole, you know, everybody at Enterprise, you know, Enterprise Studios. Yeah. So everybody embraced me there. I mean, there was all walks going on in there and they loved me, embraced me. I and then had, you know, people like Ron Fair was coming in. Hey, I want you to come listen to this. Uh, you know, Maya, you know, song where we just redid Free Fall and it took like three weeks to do it. And I had this big orchestra and all this stuff. And, you know, and I spent like a hundred million dollars. Fucking our budget. Oh, fucking our budget. Fucking, fucking our budget. Dude, he fucking plays it to me. And I'm all, 
you took three <laughs> weeks to do this and you spent probably, I said, Ron, you should be ashamed of yourself. You know how much you, she's paying for that. Yeah. And I looked at Maya, I go, you're paying for that. Yeah. So the three weeks that he just spent, the big strings that suck, you're paying for and that. And probably I mean, still paying oh for it. Oh my God. <laughs> right. my, I didn't know how to filter myself and it just came out because I was so angry. But it's the truth. But what did her face say when you did that? She was, I think, embarrassed and she knew and it did yeah. nothing. Yeah. It was the most, I mean, and I'm a petty fan, you know, and it's like, don't do a cover and fucking do a bad version of it, huh. you know? Just don't do it. Yeah. If you're going to do a bad version of cover, here to all you little kitty winkies out there, if you're going to do a cover, do your cover of it. Don't mm -hmm. do... Ron Fair's cover. Don't do Ron Fair's cover. Or just don't do the artist's cover. Just do a different version of it. Yeah. Make it you. Mm. Don't make it a version of them and then on top of it, a bad version of it. They used to teach that on American Idol. Yeah. Used to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all, you know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I'm, I'm glad you said what you said about the reality shows, because the thing is, is that when you're saying that, you know, you're, you're here today and gone before you got there, it, for me, it's like, this whole idea of we're going to create gods in 15 weeks and 15 week episode increments is so one it's unproven but it's almost like the people that we idolize put decades into their craft like you know Aretha Franklin started at six mm. 
singing in church, singing in church, singing in church till she was 19 before she even got in front of a microphone. And it's almost like, do you even think that we have the patience? I mean, as long as we have the suits at these labels and, you know, the, you know, it's like more more power to Simon Cowell, Cowell for creating these platforms, but I don't know if it's doing us more harm than it is helping the situation. And so it's like for you, do you think that we can even find and cultivate talent that at least had 15 years of of experience and work before they even see a microphone? I don't think that... I think there's just a different way. Like, uh, are we going to get the 15 years? No. Um, do you think it's necessary? I do. I do feel that... It, you know, right now you have kids sitting on YouTube. They do covers, right? Or they mm-hmm. write a song. They go on their YouTube. They record it. They put it out there in the world with Twitter, socials, whatever. They get instant reaction, right? They get instant feedback. They think that is the real world right there. Okay? So then they get plucked out of the system. Um, and then they're put into these, you know, a studio, um, good example is that little Grace Vanderval, right? So Grace Vanderval, she was the girl that was 13 and played ukulele on America's Got Talent. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay, so so it, this was funny. So, um, it, you know, she's 13. All right, she doesn't get you know people go crazier because she's got a really beautiful, soulful voice. She writes this really great song. Mm-hmm. So I get a call like a year later, and. Um, and it's the her management or the label, and they're like, um, "Hey, um, wondering if you would have any interest to meet um, Grace Vanderall. You know, we're in the studio and we're having some problems, and um, you know, she's been in there with um, Pharrell and blah blah blah, and naming all these big names. And yeah, we're just we're I, I guess we're just not getting where we want to go. And I said." Well, I can go ahead and guess what your problem is, is she's 14 and you stuck her in a studio with Pharrell Williams. Who does that? Right. Who does that? I mean, the girl has no life. She's like, she doesn't, she went on American, America's Got Talent to, uh, in a studio with Pharrell. She's had no time to understand who she is, (laughs) who she's going to be. So um, when that happened, I had met a 12-year-old. And from my my wife is Sarah Gilbert, and um, she has uh, this really great friend, Slay Moon Fry, that was punky. Oh, my God, yes. She's amazing. So Slay calls me up. She's like, I have this friend, and she's the sweetest person. I have this friend, and she's got a daughter, and she thinks the daughter's got talent but doesn't know and was is wondering if you could check her out and just see. You know, they're just curious. So I'm like, for you, Slay, anything. So I... You know, a week later, I go to her house, and there's the kid, and big bottle cap glasses and braces. I mean, I mean, it was like there was four railroad tracks in there, <laughs> you know, and a total dork. You could tell she was a total brain. Talked a mile a minute, and I'm like going, okay, I'm going to be open to this. And she sits down, and I don't even know if it was a beginning. There was no end but it sounds like there was a middle, right? So mm-hmm. she plays this middle of a song and then just stops like, you know, after a minute and a half. And But she had this soulful voice. So they're like, well, what do you think? And I said, I can't tell right now, but I'll tell you what. 
write five songs and call me in two months. So mm. I gave my number. She wrote six songs and called me exactly two months to the day. And then she came here, played me the six songs that she wrote. I put a little microphone up at the piano just to record them. And I was in there crying and I came in crying, you know, and I said, I was never this deep at fucking 12, you know? Oh yeah. You did say she was 12. Yeah. Okay. So then (laughs) I said, okay, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to record this for real for you. Like just piano, just you sitting at your piano and singing the songs, but let's do a better version. So come back in three weeks and um, I have like three days available for you. Right. She comes back in three weeks with 12 songs. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. And so then I'm like, holy fuck. And not, and I'm not kidding you. Good songs. I'm telling you, I have little fucking Carol King right now. <laughs> so she's like, what are we going to do? So I recorded, videoed everything. We did 13 songs in 13 days. Just her at the piano recording her vocal. And that's it. If I wanted a kick drum, I made her play it. I made her go. If I wanted bass, I gave her a bass, gave her the song, said, go home, learn how to play the bass bass and come back. And because no one, not me, I never touched her songs except for raised the key maybe and sped it up or slowed it down. Mm -hmm. But if something needed to be played, I made her play it. You know, the acoustic guitar. She never played bass, never played acoustic guitar. Anyway, so the, the moral of this story is she's 14 now. And I'm still uh, mentoring her. And this kid is incredible. And then she got, um, we let her play at this. Uh, we went, we took the company and all the artists to Shy at Day, which is an advertisement um, company. And we were doing this, uh, you know, you don't, we're, we're not going to wait for you to come to us. We're going to go to you kind of thing. So we mm-hmm. did a showcase with all our artists. Guess who they picked? Huh. Willa. Her name's Will Amai. They picked her for this big campaign for QuickBooks. And we had to do this version of um, uh, Harder, Faster, Bigger, Better, Stronger. Uh, Harder, Faster, Better. I mean, it was the weirdest song they wanted, Organic. And so we did it. Number one Shazam song. They paid for a radio tour for her. You know, and but I'm still holding back. I'm still not letting her, you know, doing them. Still, like, she's got to learn, you know. And You've signed it to the label since? Yes. Okay, okay. But after that, it was like she wanted it. And I, and I was like, I got to see, I got to understand what I'm dealing with. I, I can't put you out there, kid. And she's like, I want it. I want it. But she looks like she's like maybe 18 or 19. Her voice and the way she writes songs. Like, so I played Jimmy Iovine, the song that she wrote um, before Jimmy, you know, took off. I play him the song Scars that she wrote and he... I, you know, I've known Jimmy a very long time and I've never had this experience with him. He was just like lit up and he turns around and he looks at me. He's like, you know what you got? And I'm all, what? And he's like, you got the cool Taylor Swift. He's like, congratulations. (laughs) Finally. You know, but it's like, but the thing is she's been in playing with bands. She knows what a rehearsal room is. She knows how to play in front of five people. Now she's going to do this radio um, show in Vegas, you know, you know, with Jewel. And I mean, it's like I've been baby stepping her all the way and not letting it get too far. So it's out of her hands. It's only moving this fast because she wants it. But she's capable of handling it. But I'm still holding it back. She's still 14. 
But anyways, that's my point. So you know what I did with her? I nurtured her. I got her to a point so she understood what it was like to write songs and be in a rehearsal room, Um, you know, did interviews, did fake interviews, been, you know, photoing her, you know, getting, following her and helping her, you know, understand who she is. And this girl knows who she is. So the answer, you're fucking long-winded. I'm so no, sorry. No, this is, this is what this is for. Is, yes, we need to bring back development. Yes. It's called development. Where do you have the patience for that? Because now I almost feel like of all the episodes we've done, this is the episode I've been waiting for because I have no patience whatsoever to put in the work to develop people, to listen to people, to like all the 19 jobs. So, well, no, no, no. But part of me, like not really wanting, I I just to babysit and you know, the motherfuckers, I got to babysit. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't want to babysit them either. Right. And that's the thing. It's just like, it takes you really have to care yeah. as a person. And I know you're like, I'm blunt, I'm honest with you and whatever, but it's like you obviously you care. Where is it? How did you not even even after uh the the the, the rise of the the, the the fast rise of four non blondes and you guys selling seven seven million units of that album, like how did you not between 95 and when Pink calls you, 99, would you say? Like, how are you not bitter or angry about the situation of of what happened in between that time that led you to where you are now, where you're giving back and you're, you're patient and you know how to coach people? Teach us how to care about people. Well, <laughs> Shut up, Steve. <laughs> I'm well, serious. I keep hearing about this whole empathy thing. And I just don't, I well, don't. let me tell you this. So when you say, I believe when you are honest, you do care. Like you care enough. You know, most people don't care so they won't be honest because caring, being honest takes energy. So just remember it that way. We do care when we're talking and we're being honest. Well, wait, can I add something? In our part of the, on our <laughs> side of the tracks, okay. honesty gets you shot. <laughs> Not necessarily. Well, okay, if this dog, if, okay, okay. Take, take the Mr. Magic, Karis One oh, yeah, situation yeah. of 86. Okay, yeah. Now, let's just take it to, let's, let's go to 1999. Like, you know, you say something, cattle feel a certain way. It's yeah. almost like, I feel when people come to me like, yo, yo, can I speak for you real quick? It's almost like, like I don't no. I don't think you want my honest opinion. I think you want a cosign. Yeah. Like you want me to champion you. Right. But that that's what an little, honesty right there. But I think that w- what I would hope that we learn. It's turned me off. Like I can say that maybe six people in my entire 25 years. Six people, have, I've actually just said, okay, I feel something here. I'll listen to it. And it's changed my life. Mm. Like his band and five other people. And But now I'm thinking about, wow, those those thousand other... Like John Legend is one of those people who's like, I gave y'all a chance and y'all didn't hear me. 
but I digress. I I, I think he didn't come up to me. He <laughs> might have went to Tariq. But I'm saying, like, you're willing to jump in the pool and you're willing to to get dirty with them. Well, like, I have a why? mission. I have a, I'm on a mission. Like to me, what is your mission? My mission is I love music and everything that falls under it. Like it is my job and duty as one of these people in this business to protect it. You know, so honesty to me is protecting the it's you know um, the integrity of music and helping bring out more in people and raising the bar. I mean. Come on, guys. I mean, let's just all face it. The bar is so fucking low, a fucking ant can't crawl under it right now. You know, it's like, but there's great stuff. But, you know, I'm just talking about in general, there's a, a low bar There's no here, entry you know? level. Like, there's yeah. no, ain't no classes. Yeah. Well, like with the music industry, like, it accepts all kinds. And so there's no kind of regimen or anything that you have to follow. Like, with you, like, just that story you were telling about how you developed your artist and was like, yo, go write five songs, go write yeah. six songs. That is something that is totally foreign in on our side of the world with hip hop because hip hop is automatically just seen as something mm -hmm. that you can just jump in Disposable. with nothing. Well, I think though, if we so for me, the patience, um, I didn't have a lot of patience in Four Non Blondes. Um, I learned patience, I learned a lot, you know, as much as I could say that, you know, that experience, I wasn't, I didn't like the album. You know, and you personally was, didn't like that. I didn't like. No, I, I probably listened to the album maybe three or four times. Um, it was a hard album to listen to because it's not it didn't reflect who I was. And the songwriting um, or the production, the production and just, yeah, the sound was just again, I didn't know, but I was just drawn to sound. It didn't sound like Zeppelin and it didn't sound like the Beatles. It sounded like this washed down kind of thin kind of weirdness, you know, going in. In your mind, what did you want that album to be before you hit note number one? You know, like, I was this going to be your houses of the holy? Like, no, ah. I didn't. I wasn't experienced enough. Like, this is the first band I was I have ever been in. Like, when I was in San Francisco, I played acoustic. It was solo. It was Linda Perry solo act, and I was kind of developing a name around San Francisco as this girl you call that could get up on stage. And I was powerful, you know. I was like small and got up on, and people liked having just a, you know, acoustic act jump up on stage because you didn't have to do all the changeovers. In between you know? time, right? So I would jump up, and I started getting a really big name, and that's how this band found me. They were already a band. And they asked me to join. So when I joined the band, I, you know, I was just, it seemed fun. And I didn't really have any intention except for I just knew earlier on in my life I was going to be somebody, whether that's a tennis player, police officer, or whatever, I was going to be somebody that people were going to know. And so that's all I geared. My, my life, my journey was always on that. I'm going to be somebody. So when Four Non Blondes happened, I just quickly figured out like, oh, these are the things I don't like. These are, you know, like I didn't like the band constantly being upset at me because I was getting more attention than they were. And I would say, well, why don't you guys fucking, you know, write a song at three o'clock in the morning like I'm doing. And then you can have songwriting because they were mad that I wouldn't give them songwriting credit on songs that I was writing. I'm like, I'm not. You didn't write it. <laughs> I didn't write that shit. <laughs> not, you know, so... I was kind of a dick, you know, in Four Non Blondes. I was angry all the time. I didn't like being told what to do. 
I wanted to perform when I want. I was very rebellious, you know, and, you know, I've walked out many situations um, that I should not have, you know, done. And, and finally, I got to a point on the second record and said, I can't do it. I had written all these great songs that were more like The Wall, you know, and Pink Floyd, The Wall. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was very, you know, it was deep. It was it just filled my soul, you know, in my, and my voice was lower. I was like just brooding and unhappy and depressed and, but it was beautiful to me, you know, and they were like, uh, can where's, you, where's the, where's the hit? Can you guys, uh, can you write something a little more like our old album, our last record? And I said, fuck you. No, I can't, you know? And then I went to the label and said, please let me out. So eventually out of, being a little crazy to Tom Wally, Tom Wally let me out of the deal. So you, uh, pull, you pulled the Pinkerton. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call that? <laughs> That's a Pinkerton. Weezer. The That's Weezer a Weezer album. Pinkerton right there. Yeah, I pulled a good one on him, and uh, you know it was pretty funny. Um, but so the patience came through that those years. You know, I learned what I didn't like about being in Four Non Blondes. Mm-hmm. I learned what I did like. I learned that I was way more powerful um, as a collaborator and um, someone who could be patient with people and, and that the, the girl that was not collaborating, that had the ego, that was just you know throwing everything down and not being patient was the weaker me. So I just, and I just jumped into my power. So that space and time allowed me to learn a little bit about who I was and what I was capable of doing. So the universe then sent me pink and everything that followed. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, What I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. 
I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, were you thrown off when she called you? You said she calls you out the blue? Yeah, she left me a message. I got this message because my girlfriend at the time was her makeup artist or her friend was her makeup artist okay. so anyways so she just left me a message you know is this linda perry i this my name's pink and i want to write a song with you or you sing on my album and if you don't call me back i'm gonna come stalk you if i got your number i can find your address you know <laughs> oh, something no. crazy so like that. that album changed your life and yeah you're just like and it changed mine you know and it, it really it made me a collaborator and then you know, from then, is that was the downfall because immediately after that, I ran into Christina Aguilera in a in a in a club, and Dallas Austin just played like he was trying to impress her with what he did on Pink's record, but instead it. it Every time she picked a song, who did that one? He's was like, Joe that's Jams. Linda Perry. <laughs> who did that one? Linda Perry. So it was pretty funny that, so I, I, you know, I saw her sitting alone. First of mm-hmm. all, that was kind of strange. She was alone. Friends were in a bodyguard right in front. And, and she waved, you know, I, I came as, hey, you know, I met her once. And she's like, you know, let her in. And so I said, how you doing? She's like, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I love the stuff that you did with Pink. I'm like, oh, great. I go, I heard you're working on an album. She's like, yeah. I go, hey, if I were you, I would really use that darkness, that depression that you got going on because it probably, listen, everybody knows that you can sing, but no one knows that you actually can feel what you're singing. And it really will come in to benefit you, your, your, your sadness. And she just like, I mean, and then I was like, oh, I'll see you later. And then I started leaving. And then my friend, um, he's like, what did you just say to Christina Aguilera? I'm like, why? And he's like, because she's watching you and her mouth is on the ground. And I'm like, well, I just told her that people want to, you know. And then she called me a week later, you know. And that obviously, it was not my intention. I was just being honest. But, you know, so theirs were for me. And then I love Christina. We collaborated and done some incredible things together, but I call her on her stuff all the time. How did you manage to get that performance of beautiful out of her? Because I know that what you managed to do for that song, like I know that, you know, from what I know of Christina. Oh, you were on that album too. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot I was on that album. Do you remind <laughs> me? Scott Storch joined. All right, yeah, 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 yeah. that was a good That's one. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, here's my thing. My thing is that <laughs> the thing that I'm most impressed about that song is the fact that you took her defense and her shield away. Because I feel like her flexing, her going from zero to sixty on the autobahn, like instantly, the fact that you took all that away and just left her her vulnerable at least that was my impression in hearing beautiful how were you able to keep the record people at bay and keep christina's management at bay and christina herself at bay and pull that performance out of her because i would have instantly thought hearing the song okay it's grammy time that's her diva moment you know gown she's going to open the grammy sparkles Mm -hmm. Sing the shit out, Mariah the shit out that song. And you didn't. How did you 
pull the layers away and get that particular performance out of her? Um, it was completely organic. I, I wish I could, you know, say that I did something amazing, but the truth is, um, I said that, you know, she wanted the song. I had already written the song and, um, and I said, well, in order to get this, I need to hear you sing it because, you know, when I wrote the song, it was me, you know, and my insecurities of not feeling like a beautiful person, you know, and the using those words to try to find some kind of strength, you know, using those words, Linda, you're beautiful. Come on. Don't worry. Don't listen to what other people say. Like the real moment for me. So I'm looking at this girl that has it all that's, you know, pretty and popular. It's like there's no fucking way this girl is going to understand and relate to this song. So I said, okay, I need to hear you sing it. So again, recorded her vocal right in that other room right over there and um, sat with the piano. I put the piano down and then she brought a friend you know, so it was like uh, she came back a week later and said, "Okay, now I need to hear you sing it." So, whatever, gave her the lyrics, and she sat there. And this is truth. Um, I just pushed play, and I go, "You, you good?" And she's like, "Yeah." And she had the demo to to work with at home, you know, and she's all nervous. And I push and record, and then she literally says to her friend, "Don't look at me," you know. Something about that, it showed me, oh, she's just like me. You know, she might look different than I do, but she is exactly, she's feels the too. same. Yeah. I think everybody yeah. can identify with that. And then she sang that song from start to finish. And then I got chills and I said, that's my vocal. And she's like. One take? Yeah. Wow. I, I, she's, like, she's like, what do you mean that's the vocal? I'm like, that's my fucking vocal. I knew it. And she was like, no, I, you know, I'm like, whatever. And so I just, you know, just whatever. So I built, then I built the track around that. So I got the strings. I played live, had a live band. We sat there and to the click and just played to her vocal. And because um, all she was singing to was a piano. And so I just knew that was my vocal. There's no way she was going to be able to do that again. And you can hear, you know, the paper, you know. <laughs> and, um, and so there was two things in the bridge we needed to hit. There was two high notes that she's like, please, can I at least get those? I'm like, yeah. And then she wanted to re-sing the whole song. Seven months, you know, bugging me. And I'm like, no, no, no. And then finally, so we go to, I don't know, Conway or whatever. I'm like, okay, let's go get these two notes. And she was like, "Um, no, um, can I just sing it? I know I can sing it better. I go, I know you can sing it better, but that's not what's needed. So I was like, she's like, just give me a chance. I'm like, okay, so I push, you know, and she's like, Every day when the light, I just stopped. I just stopped, and she's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "You're fucking it up already," (laughs) you know. And she's like, "You're right." And then she she finally just got she just you know she's like, "You're right, you're right." I'm gonna ruin it. Yeah, it was too. It was too. I love singers when they don't reach. Yeah, and no one. People rarely trust that process. Like I can't wait for the day. When Mariah realizes that, I mean, just everyone who sings, Mm -hmm. I can't wait for them to realize that because I I feel like that's a defense shield. Like, you're handing me your resume, and this is what I can do. All these acrobatic things I can do in 13 seconds. Just sing the damn melody. 
Yeah, and people <laughs> yeah. don't trust it. Like, if you listen to Aretha Franklin's version of a song for you, the way that she mangles the words bad rhyme, she literally, she sings it flat and off key as the character of the song. Right, I know right, she was right, just right. saying, I say some bad rhymes, but whatever. <laughs> but to me, it's like, I love when singers go dry, and, but it's so hard to convince them not to do otherwise. Yeah. And I know that for her, her go-to thing is instantly, yeah. instantly. And I was like, how did you, Manage that miracle. So she just thought she was doing a drive run through. Yeah. And you, like, nah, that, that was it. it. Yeah. yeah. That, that, was that totally song it. didn't but, need it. Yeah. yeah. And it, it did. And it was interesting because, you know, I think she came out with that dirty song yeah. first and yeah. they pulled that shit so fast. And it was like beautiful, just went right in yeah. and, you know, in a sense, saved the day. But the, the wonderful thing about that, it really did get people to, experience her in a different way yeah. and i and and i feel really proud more proud in that moment because no matter what anybody wants to say about christina and believe me um you know i get on her but i she knows that but she is a very very talented girl like there's it's crazy her ears like you could have a 60 piece orchestra eight piece band whatever going on singers gospel all of it and she will hear the one violin that went out of tune at this spot and she you know will go what's that and i'll go what do you mean and i hear it what she's but i'm thinking there's no fucking way she can hear that (laughs) and she's like right there and i'm like where right here and i'll test her again and i'll go and see if she's just saying things and i'll test it again and she says no not there i'm like right there and it'll be, and I'll solo everything, and there's like a violin that's mm-hmm. just out. Like her, she's very, very talented, and, and but she doesn't trust her talent enough. And that's what happens with a lot of these, you know, artists, you know, these singers. They don't trust themselves. Like when Aretha goes on stage, Aretha sings from her heart. Mm-hmm. When Janis Joplin got on stage, she reached out, closed her eyes, and she was channeling God knows what, but it wasn't singing. She was feeling, you know, and I think that's the part that everybody keeps forgetting. They keep forgetting there's an emotion attached to these lyrics. But here's here's the thing that's going to really blow up everything for you guys. Janis Joplin, you know, Aretha is going to be a different story. But right now you have to understand a lot of these girls aren't writing these songs and these lyrics, so they don't have any don't have emotional no connection, connection, to it. A, a yeah. connection. Now, why my songs with artists sound so good is because I always demo them, even with her, um, Alicia, Alicia Keys. Loved the way I sang. She's like, "Can you demo that, you know, for me?" And just loved my my where I drop things, my phrasing, my emotion, because I could. I'm a, you know, I feel, you know, I'm in it. I don't care. I don't care if there's one person here or a million. I will give you the greatest show you've ever experienced because it's just what I do. It's who I am. But these girls don't know that experience. They don't understand because, first of all, they don't have the experience of playing to people and getting that feedback, mm-hmm. you know, and they don't, they're not writing these songs. So they don't know how to give and deliver. They don't know how to deliver these songs because they don't and then the people who are writing it, they're just getting session singers to sing it 
straight and that ding, 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 you know, like this, the, you know, like fucking, what's his fight, you know, fucking ass, like the Dr. Luke and his, the same fucking lyric over and over, the same, you know, the same fucking format, the arrangement, the same content, the same tone, the same everything. That motherfucker gives the same song over and over and over. And that's what these girls are hearing, but it's going number one. It's going fucking it's number one. So it's it's all over the place. So they're just, they're used to being robots. They're not used to singing like Aretha. God forbid. Any, did you guys ever see the the divas with Aretha? Celine. Celine. Oh, the tall fucking, girl standing next to What was it? Um, oh, um, Mariah, Mariah Carey and um, uh, um, somebody, uh, the, the youngest. Um, the youngest? Gloria Estevan. Yeah, Carol King at the piano. It was the mo- did you see that moment where it was so? I mean, I laughed. It was so awesome, and they're all singing the song, and then they're all stepping in, oh, so taking lean. their oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then Aretha just <laughs> shoom, shoom, <laughs> and gets right in front of them, and it's almost like it's a sing off, and then I think Celine was the last one, mm-hmm. and then they all just trickle off because you can't yeah. compete. No. With Aretha Franklin, because she's coming from a different place. Mm-hmm. Like that voice is coming from a, it's not, she's not singing. She's, a, she's, a, she's a, having an experience. She's, she's giving you emotions, yeah. you know? And that's what we're missing right now. Well, well what I, about the, the singer songwriter girls that are like really popular now? What about like the, I'm scared to say these names, but we'll see. The Scissors, the Hers, and I. Uh, I mean, love Scissors. And then the, before them, I still there's there's still some singer songwriters out there like Jill. There's the Ericas. There's the Marsha Ambrosias. They don't get the shine, but there are some. I just wanted to at least say their names. I know well, you're right. Thing, no, the thing is also, um, and the common, the common uh, denominator with we can go to we can go to Phyllis. We can go to Whitney. We can go to, uh, D- like a lot of these women are also, you know, when they're first presented, mm. it's kind of like you know they're the first lady, they're the princess of a particular label head, yeah, yeah, of a label head that takes them, and then you know it's like eh, fifteen years later you're kind of disposable, and I feel as though oftentimes they're like it's always a new one on a racetrack, yeah. and they're either looking in the rearview mirror. Or they know that someone's behind them. It usually happens at Clive's Grammy party every year, right? Yeah. Whenever he presents whoever the next. Right. Yeah. And so what I'm asking is, and I know you have relationships with a lot of these label heads. So without necessarily totally throwing them under the bus, but I feel like, I won't even ask you, do you feel like, I feel like we need a complete overall. And I asked this question of Jimmy Jam and also of Usher. Are you willing to eventually one day oh, yeah. stop being the creative and be the new Ron Fair and be Jimmy I am. Mm. Right. But I mean, to the place, but I still feel like their level of hierarchy is like right now. It's either you're either dealing with Jimmy Iovine or you're dealing with who's head of Sony now? I, I don't I have no idea. idea. No idea. Right. <laughs> or RCA. Like, it's like whoever the, the main three are. Yeah. And I almost feel as though we have to completely, once we overhaul that system and replace them with people who are actual 
that get their hands dirty. You know what I mean? Like, no more lawyers running the companies. Yeah. Well, to let you know what I'm doing right now, I yes. have a company called We Are Here, and we're a record label. We're a publishing company, and we manage. Um, I manage um, an artist named Dorothy that's on Rock Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, I manage a, a girl named Angel Hayes. You guys oh, might know yeah. her. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, we have Willa, this 14-year-old, and she's also on the label. I have on the label a, a artist from UK named Lion, a guy named Pete Molinari from UK as well, and um, Natasha Bedingfield. Um, and I'm working on her album. So the whole point of this record company was to develop artists. Um, Dorothy, Willa, you know, were developed... Even though she's on Rock Nation, she might as well, you know, not be on a label because... Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, we're doing more work than they are. Mm-hmm. And I love Benny. I think he's great. But, you know, right now that man's afraid of me right now, you know, because I have to get on them so much about, I don't know what you guys are doing, but this is a rock and roll act and you don't put a single out every day. You know, it's like you build and work an album, right? Mm-hmm. So they're getting it and now they're stepping up to the the, the table. But so the purpose of the, the label is so our management um, agreements are... Uh, basically handshakes if you don't if you're not with us if you don't if you're not happy we're doing something wrong I don't want to hold myself to you Um, our record deals are like my son can read the contract they're like (laughs) you know paper thin just like you know really just like four five pages Um, in that we're developing them we're with them um, the publishing deal, I just signed a deal with, um, I have a partner, Carrie Brown is my partner, and we just did a deal with Peer Music, um, uh, JV, for all our um, uh, songwriters. Um, I have a deal distributing with Universal in Germany. Um, it's a JV. And so a lot is going on. And the whole purpose, we just bought a record pressing plant. So I can press records, and we're going to have shows there. And if you're not capable of playing a show on your own, and because it's going to go right to record, it goes oh, right to vinyl, nice, we nice. can record right to the lay. Um, and then we just bought a storefront right on um, Ventura Boulevard on, in Studio City. And it's going to be our offices up on top and downstairs will be our record store. We're going to have merch. It's we're going like to have the a Jack White thing. Yeah. We're going to yeah. have a, um, a stage and a recording studio there. That is going to be for kids to come there and meet other kids that want to be in bands. Um, You can showcase your material there. Our doors will always be open for anybody to come in and to express themselves, listen to records, and all the records that we make from our vinyl, the the live records, will be available at We Are Here. We're building a community. So um, my my. I want to get done with the Natasha record. I have one other thing I got to do, and then I'm done in here. And then I'm Wait, going Wait, what does to, that mean? I'm done in here. That means I'm getting myself out of the songwriter. I'll always be a songwriter, but okay. producer out of the studio and then I will run my label. Right now I'm 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 you know David's here to help me make sure that I'm not missing anything. I'm on the phone. I call radio stations like our our artist Dorothy. I called radio station because she's a rock act. Breaking a rock act is hard, you know? Um, and so there's a different way. So I called radio stations myself. Hey, you know, this is Linda. What? Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, like, I manage an artist named Dorothy, and I want to give, you know, I want you to hear it and see what you think, and I would love to do something with you guys and would love your support. 
I can't believe you're calling us. And I'm like, well, radio is really good to my band. And I want to make sure that my artists understand how valuable radio is still today. You know, and they love it. We bring our artists in. I mean, so I've developed all these, you know, I, we got Dorothy all the way up to, to number eight on the rock charts. And then it was only Rock Nation that fucked that all up by not paying for the next round of installment for radio promotion. Yeah, come on, ho. And we lost it. And we were going into number five. We were going in top five. And those motherfuckers pulled it without telling us. And my God, that man got such a reaming, you know, and that he came into my studio with his tail between his legs and they understand what they did wrong. They didn't understand at the time, but they didn't believe us. They didn't believe that we'd get her to top 20, you know, and then we got to top 20, we got to top 10 and we're going to number five. We're going to number five anyways. But so that's what I'm talking about. I'm a manager. I'm a label executive and I'm a songwriter. But all of it goes together because my bigger fight is not in here. My bigger fight is out there. And so, yes, am I that right now? I can call anybody I want and probably get them on the telephone. But am I Jimmy Ivy? No. But will I be at the level of Jimmy Ivy? Yes, I will. And I, my can label. Huh? Can you adopt me? <laughs> yeah, I'm, but my label is doing something very different right now. We're doing some really great things. And it's about community. It's about you know, these kids, it's about showing that you do care. And with a little bit of patience, you can go a long way with an artist because it takes just a little bit for them to last a long time. I need to applaud that. You know? Man. <laughs> I feel happy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful what you're doing. I, I love it. It sounds amazing. Thank you. Wow. I'm super light. Well, thank you very much for uh, talking to us today. Absolutely. No, of course, love Supreme. Thank you. Honor. Thank yeah, you. It was wonderful. Well, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Team Supreme, Boston Unpaid Bill, uh, Sugar Steve, Fontigolo, and it's a lie I'm sorry. I didn't mean to mangle your name like that. That's all right. Uh, thank you very much uh, once welcome. again. Thank for, you for, for, for having me. I'm actually going to listen to this episode and yeah, get some light sympathy. Empathy, right. you can start with that and then, you know, go. Yes. There. Thank you, Aya. Yes. <laughs> yes. Anyway, this is Questlove signing off. Uh, Questlove Supreme, only on Pandora. Thank you. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place 
for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts